With so much division in the body of Christ, it's important to come to one accord when you can. That's why most denominations agree that the Better Insurance Agency is the right choice for your insurance needs. At the Better Insurance Agency, we care enough about your home and auto insurance to push through doctrinal disputes. Because when it comes to the gift of good coverage, there's no cessation here. So head to the www.thebetterquote.com to begin switching to the Better Insurance Agency. Currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. This is Dr. Aaron Judkins, the Maverick Archaeologist, and you're listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's the nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time, space, and matter. I, know, I feel like God's be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't is this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. Methodology round table. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? Hey, y'all, this is Ben with the Dig Bible Podcast. Last week was a long one, so we split it up into two sections. We talked about the power in the name or the power in the blood. So. If you're just now tuning in, go back and listen to the power in the name. This part here will be the power in the blood. Enjoy. Steven, I guess that tees it up. Where, where in your opinion, does the power lie? Well, this is something that I've been working on for a while, and I think if if this was um, done even a few weeks later, we probably would have written a book by now. But... um, I, I tell you, it's something that dra- it draws me back. Every time I, I get into the scripture, get into the word, something brings me back to this. And it's not not even just that, but some of the um, other authors that we've read and, and gotten involved with have really brought me back to this. But why is it that everything in the Bible always gets brought back to the blood, right? We talked about 
with Ryan Peterson, and we're going to go through a few of these things, but I'll give you a little overview. You know, we talked a little bit about Ryan Peterson, about the bloodline. Well, are we going to go back Southern Baptist here? Uh, I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Pow, 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 In the blood. In the blood. Of the land. Of the land. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. <laughs> we just got a recording deal, fellas. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> You okay over there? You choked me up a little sorry, bit. Sorry, sorry. Can't say power. I mean, power. You know, power. Purr. Anyway, purr. purr. No. But purr. There's power lines over this place. Anyway. He's just trying. No, I I can't I can't I, speak yeah, your language. No. I have no clue what it you're saying. Anyway. But we still understand you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think. Um. Anyway, in the Bible. You know, we, we, we always get drawn back to the blood. You see that from day one. Like I said, you you see it with the bloodline. You see it how in Genesis 6, the Nephilim, you know, the whole point was to corrupt the bloodline. It's all about the blood. Why is it all about that blood? What it, What is there? What? Why is the blood so important? And we as we get further along, you'll see sacrifice and then... You you obviously see in the end the ultimate sacrifice being Jesus, but I think it's I think it's important to start a little bit in the beginning, right? So, in the beginning, when God created everything, He created everything perfect, right? He created everything exactly how it's supposed to be. He looked at it and said it was good. So, what is that? First of all, that tells you Adam and Eve were perfect. They were ideal. They were exactly how they're supposed to be. Their blood was perfect their dna was perfect i mean it had god's fingerprints all over it right god did this this is this is perfect same thing with the animals obviously and we we talked about we'll talk about that i'm sure here in a little bit but when sin came you know perfection left this world you know after that you know god said you're gonna you know you're gonna toil you're gonna it's going to be tough. You know, uh, childbearing is going to be painful. All these different things are going to happen. Things got worse, right? Sin happened. But then when you get to that Genesis 6 event, you see that the 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 watchers, those those fallen angels came down and they had intercourse with, you know, or they copulated. I was about to correct you. But you go ahead. You sing, we'll sing use, it once. No, no. Okay. Never mind. All right. Anyway. Copulation, baby. <laughs> so... They copulated with the with those with those uh, human women, and we went into that in great detail uh, with Ryan Peterson about this bloodline and and about you know uh, Nama most likely being the, the mother of the first Nephilim you know as far as um, the the daughter of uh, Lamech, <coughs> Tubal Cain's sister right we talked about all this before, but um, going in there that that DNA the whole point was to corrupt the bloodline to 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 stop. God's prophecy, God's God's covenant that he made even with Eve saying that, you know, eventually, you know, out of your bloodline will come the Messiah indirectly the way that he said it when it says that it's almost like he severed our connection with the divine or at least that's what he was trying to do, because, you know, Adam was an inanimate object until he breathed the breath of life in him, you know, and he was the the first and only besides Jesus, Beneha Elohim son a direct son of god and it's like he had to mess with that bloodline almost to kind of maybe sever a connection that we had i I would say and this 
once again, we're going to have different opinions on things. I'd say I wouldn't say necessarily the first son of God. I think those sons of God as a whole were there, but I think he's the first human son of God. Yeah, that's what say I was saying. Yeah, okay. yeah, the flesh. Flesh, son okay. Because I, I believe he was part of that in the beginning that way. But but what happened is, you know, obviously that that that. Uh, the degradation of our DNA, the degradation and sin, and then obviously entropy and with sin comes entropy. Everything worsens over time. Everything gets worse. Everything downplays to the point where, you know, that DNA got so bad that the flood had to happen. Right. And, you know, we fast forward a little bit to Noah when we talk about the bloodline and what is, what is, uh, uh, God say about Noah? Well, he was to Mim. To Mim. Now that same word, is the word that the uh, Jews would use for the a sacrificial lamb or a goat that they came. That was the term, meaning it was pure. In the English, that word was translated as righteous. You know, didn't mean he was perfect, sinless. It was yeah, referring to the yeah, it sacrificial system, it, blood. Yes, it yes. was the blood sacri. It was the the blood perfection, right? It's not a moral perfection. Noah wasn't perfect, by no stretch. But his blood, his bloodline was perfect. That's how God was preserving that covenant. And if, and I don't know, I've been doing a Bible study with my family um, lately where we're going through Genesis. And if, if you see in the first, we're, what, through like 25 chapters or so, and I would say that God has, has reconfirmed that covenant you know, first, you know, he has the covenant with with uh, Eve and then he goes down and we have the covenant with Abraham and we have the covenant with um, I'm sorry, with Noah, then Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. And he just keeps saying, you know, and you're, they're all so similar. Yes. It's all, you know, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. It's like repeating cycles. And you will have descendants as numerous as the sands of the seashore you know, or the stars in the sky. And he just keeps reestablishing that covenant. So it's talking about that pure bloodline that's coming down, right, from Adam all the way down to the Messiah. That's the whole point when we get to that point. When we even get to and that, that part that I and I just one of my favorite parts of that Peterson book was that Judah and Tamar, because I didn't ever look at it that way. When you talk about how God used that to keep that bloodline pure, because Judah had originally, you know, it always talks about that, um, you know, that. From Judah will come, you know, the Messiah first. It'll come from the line of David, the line of Judah down the way. But God, Judah married a Canaanite woman. All his sons were half Canaanite, right? So God uses Tamar, his first son's wife, and ends up in the end coming back around so that she fools Judah into sleeping with her. Two that are not Canaanite to have a, a child that that pure bloodline lives through. I mean, it is this You can't make this stuff up. This is like Jerry Springer on steroids. I mean, it's insane. And that all this stuff happens just to keep that bloodline pure. Blood is so important all the way through, and you can see it through that. It's just, it's unreal how you see that bloodline. And, and the Bible gives us, and that's something that I always thought was boring before was reading those genealogies. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But now I see that that's a gift. It's it shows there for us. a reason. It is. It's there for a reason. It's there to show us how that bloodline was passed down all the way from Adam all the way to Jesus. Right. So we see that path that we know that blood was pure. And, and 
we get down there and we talked about it and I, I'm not going to go too far into that because it'll, it'll wear you out. But the, the, um, that Peterson, um, when we talk to him about this and we really get into that bloodline stuff, it just gets, it's just so good. I just yeah go back and listen to go it. back and listen to that. That is such his insights. His is just so good. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that one again sometime, but, uh, when we go through and we start looking at uh, corruption was not even with not all not sorry not just with people but it was also with animals and we looked at that with some of the extra biblical texts when we talk about Jasher and like the book of giants jubilees jubilees you see that that blood of everything and it says that all flesh was corrupt right so all all blood and all things against the had beasts been sinned. of the field and birds of the air you know exactly modern genome splicing and you know, manipulation that's going on today. So interesting, and this is kind of a little rabbit trail, but when we get to Genesis 9, right, post-flood, Noah, I'm going to get off the boat. It's time to get off. God says it's time to get off. We're going to get out, and we're going to go do our thing. God gives them a couple commands. And and the date, which we touched that on. We did, yeah, that. But for those that missed it, I mean, dates are important too. They are very important. The day that it gives. If it gives you a date, it's for a reason. (laughs) That's the day that uh, Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. So when they got off the boat, that was the start of something new. Mm-hmm. When Jesus came out of the tomb, that was definitely the a start new, of something new. A new, new. beginning. Yeah. A new beginning. 100%. Foreshadowings. It's crazy. Yeah. So, Well, God puts all that together. It's like a puzzle that you, like you said it before, you know, you have this puzzle piece here, and you're looking at it. You can't, you can't make out what that one puzzle piece is until you have them all on the table and you put that puzzle together, then all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, that's unbelievable. All that fits together. It changes the whole perception of the entire picture. Yes. That right. one piece can. So Genesis 9, 2 through 6, right? All the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them for you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables, but you must never eat meat that still has life blood in it. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. And I think that this is the command, and there's a couple different rabbit trails you can take off of this, but um, obviously we're talking about how important and and, and the different um, aspects of blood here, but I I think that it's interesting, and I've never really thought about it this way. We've, We've talked numerous times about how the Nephilim and different things got through the flood, but it's interesting that he's getting off the boat, and he's already telling you not to eat the blood in certain animals instantly, right then. So uh, just interesting that potentially because is that also, a, I mean, the what lives in water, the fish. Yeah. Well, and that's the fish without scales thing. And, and where's the Leviathan come from in Revelation? Where does all the beasts and stuff come from? The, the abyss. Sea, the abyss. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he didn't have to build a bunch of <coughs> fish tanks and stuff like that on the ark because it was bringing water. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I really do think that. 
something that's a good possibility that that, that's how the gene come through and that's maybe why in the some of the levitical laws it says you're not to eat fish without scales Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i mean could be i mean i i i 100 agree but i've thought that i've thought that for a long time this is it's always been one of my favorite subjects to think about merman who knows (laughs) who knows anyway you know like we was discussing earlier who who would come up with that? Yeah. So going a little further down the the chronology here as we're going, I'm jumping into Deuteronomy, and we start talking about Deuteronomy, and then you can go in, even into the Levitical laws and things. Then we talk about the, um, and we will talk about sacrifice in a little bit. But when we first, it says right here, Deuteronomy twelve twenty three. Never consume the blood, for the blood is the life. You must not consume the lifeblood with the meat. Instead, pour out the blood on the ground like water. Do not consume the blood so that all may go well with you and your children after you because what you're doing will please the Lord. So God's given us strict instructions. There's something about the blood here that you're seeing right away, right? First of all, we're not supposed to consume that blood, right? And if you look back through... Um, you know, stories about the Nephilim and we look in the, the book Amalekites of Giants. And, said and they the, devoured the inhabitants of the land. And they drank their blood. Yeah. That's the point is they drank the blood because they would think that drinking, and this is a, kind of an ancient, <laughs> sorry, ancient world theory was if you drank the blood of your enemies, you took on their power. You took yeah. their life force. It's just like people hunting and they're like, oh, you got to drink or eat the heart or drink the blood or whatever going full liver king huh As, well yeah i mean just you know you see it in movies and such oh, you yeah. know and then which that one movie uh what was it dances with wolves where he eats no. the buff no that's a tongue he eats never no mind. it's Tatonka. uh red dawn that new one they it's just you know like a one of the boys school buddies they it kills his first deer he's like oh you gotta drink its blood you know it's it's you know becoming a man you killed your first deer and he drinks it he's like oh it don't taste too bad they're like uh he's like well you you know what i mean he goes no we never did that (laughs) (laughs) but but you know it's that kind of you don't do the whole vampire stories too i mean that that, that's what they done they drunk the blood to regenerate and rejuvenate themselves but look again look again so something god forbid against and we're seeing in our pop culture today uh extremely huge in our culture today stuff too but it is but that you look at there's vampires everywhere you know and in all the different movies and they're romanticized they're they're turned into the hero they're turned into the or the whatever you want to be like the anti-hero or whatever you want to call it but they're they're bad because they, they they're bad, drink someone's they're blood, bad. but they save somebody's yeah. life, oh, so yeah. they're okay. The Breaking Dawn series, they sparkle and they, they love. And it's it, it To me, it just Dawn. shows you how that stuff is translating into our culture. The vampire romance novels and movies. Uh, wasn't that? Get out from under your rock. No, man. that's not. That, what was that called? That was called. Um, wasn't it Breaking Dawn? No. no that's Twilight. Twilight, my bad. Yeah. Now I need to get out of my enough. rock. Breaking Dawn, Twilight, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It, yeah. So, Wasn't that so one of the books, though, in the series? Maybe. Oh, that's the book that you read is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He didn't, he didn't have no rebuttal, wah, wah, so I'm wah. just. 
<laughs> As we keep going along. I'm editing that out. That's okay. That's, I got the power. That, That's okay. that is true. You do have the power. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talk about further going along the, the corruption of that blood, you know, after the flood, where God tells... Um, the, you know, the Israelites go in and kill every man, woman, and child. And I think that's really important, and that we've talked about that before, but I think that's super important that people understand, you know, God is a God of love. God is a God of, of um, you know, he, he wants the best for us. But at that point, if you're not, um, if, you're, if you're DNA, you're not truly, even Donald agrees. Yeah, even Donald agrees watching. Uh-huh, yeah. If, uh, if see, I, I'm losing my whole train of thought. Suck the air out of the room, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you're told, the whole thing is that if, with especially during the Exodus and, and when you talk about when they're going into the, the, the land of Canaan and they're told to kill all these different tribes and kill each one of these, it's really important to understand why that is because otherwise people look at God and say, oh, man, that's terrible. That's awful. Why they would God say that? Or, or maybe the church skips over some of that because they, it's a it's a touchy subject. Like, oh, we don't want to yeah, talk about that. They're missing that puzzle piece. It's that puzzle piece that shows you these people aren't even human anymore. These are these are these are abominations to God because it's that DNA still from those that that fallen angels that that have corrupted their DNA so that uh, it, it, <laughs> they're not. What God created, they're so far removed from uh, um, from creation, from perfection, that they're an abomination to God, which is the same reason the flood had to come. I mean, it goes right back to then. So, And he couldn't flood the world because he already said that he wouldn't do it again. Another covenant that he made. Right. So therefore, I tell you what, to kill them off. You know why God is, one of the reasons God's so awesome is that if you read through and you really look at it, God makes a promise, I swear, every five minutes when you're reading the Bible. And guess what? He never breaks them. He makes a promise. He shows you that covenant that he makes with those people all over and over and over again. And even though they keep screwing up, so especially the Exodus. He's got a good reputation. He's got a good reputation. Good he's name. A, he's a man of his word. But I tell you, God, you go through and look how many times the Israelites um, fell away oh, yeah. over and over and over. You know, they're worshiping a golden calf or they're, you know, it's just something different. You know, they fall away to idols of some other country and they're worshiping those idols. And God still always, because he had a covenant. And he had a plan. He knew they would. He knew they would. You know, but he had a covenant with Abraham that had Christ. said that it, your, your descendants will be so... He couldn't kill them all off because he had a covenant. He had a promise, and he fulfilled that promise. He kept true to his word, and he always will. And I think that's extremely important. Amen. But um, now jumping in a little bit, now going a little bit next to kind of the next part of blood. When I say I think the bloodline stuff, extremely important, extremely fascinating. Listen to the Ryan Peterson episode. He is... There's a couple even parts. the Tim Stedman one. He and Tim, goes into Tim, the blood. Yeah, Tim went into that a lot too. But I, just such good stuff, such good insights. I would recommend reading both of their books, um, the the um, answers to giant questions, and then the the final Nephilim and the judgment of the Nephilim. Just just. And Tori, she won our contest for the final Nephilim. Got that in the mail. Sorry for the delay, but it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, it's in your hands. 
this isn't going to air for another three years. No, I'm just kidding. It's giving them time. <laughs> it's giving them to time. Get in the mail. <laughs> anyway. I got a good reputation, too. Well, you got to keep it. That's why you got to keep it. Anyway, going into sacrifice. Now, I think this is this is a really important thing when we talk about blood. Okay? Because there's, and you we talked about this a little bit before we started. But, um, sac, you know, there's a there's a lot of debate on sacrifice when it started, who it was to. Um, that was another thing that I thought Tim Stedman really was kind of blew my mind on that when I when I first really you yep. know when he brought that up, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of debate over the first sacrifice. You know, I was always taught that it was the the animal skins. You know, that they say was given to Adam and Eve. Not everybody believes that. There's some things in the translation. Um, but the animal skin supposedly that God gave Adam and Eve when they left the garden says he clothed them basically. Um, I always, I always kind of was taught that that was, uh, you know, a sacrifice to cover their shame. That was kind of the first sacrifice there. Once again, not everybody, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there exactly. But um, when we were talking to, and I actually have that written down right here, talking to Tim Stedman and brought up the possibility that Abel when, 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 Cain became jealous of, of God's acceptance of his offerings and how he was prospering and he wasn't exactly ended up being a sacrifice to potentially and we, we talked about Mott or potentially even Baal like he was sacrificing Abel potentially for the same thing that you know he's instead of bringing that gift of uh, of his first fruits as they say he was sacrificing his brother for a fertile land because god wasn't listening to him in his idea right in his mentality god wasn't listening to him right god he said wasn't. since you're gonna ignore me i'm gonna go over here to this exactly other god yeah. to bless me yeah. right. and if you look at it it's interesting because when you read that it you shows remember the verbiage that he used because he, he said that there was something with the the hebrew words that pointed Towards sacrifice, I can't remember, but he told us in that show. He's given you, he's given you a, a, a subconscious thought to go watch, listen to that one too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember the verbiage, but I will say that I thought it was interesting because when he looks at it and he, we were talking about it, it doesn't say that it was a, you know, a crime of passion. It doesn't show that. Yeah. What it, it shows in one day, it looks like you know it was something that was premeditated. It said one day while they were out in the field. Yeah. It doesn't say that it happened right after. Yeah, this could it have was, been like two or three months, six months. Span. It could have been two years later. Yeah. We don't know. But the whole thing is it was premeditated. Like this was set up. Like he was going to kill him. But the the idea that it potentially was a sacrifice, that his blood. And then what, what, is, what does God say? You know, I think it's pretty cool when you see that God was still talking to them. Right. And, and Cain was not surprised when God talked to him. Right. But what does God say to Cain? Oh, he says, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. What have you done? I mean, he obviously already knew what he'd done. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some people talking. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, Kenny C. You know, he talks on frequencies. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some other podcasters and stuff talk about how there's frequencies in everything. You know, that there's even measurable frequencies in your blood that... You know, that's, you know, possibly what God was hearing, the frequencies from Abel's blood crying out from the ground because that's where he poured it because it was a sacrificial thing. Blood was the life force. He was sacrificially pouring the blood of his brother onto the ground and to on fertilize the field, it. 
to Kinda bless like, it. That's like the Vikings yes, would do. And get the crops to grow. Yeah. That's pretty wild to There's a lot of think cultures about. did that. Now, I think, and kind of piggybacking on that, if we look at sacrifice throughout history, you'll see, and, you know, we can go into, uh, like, Leviticus, not far after what we're just talking about, not eating the lifeblood. Leviticus uh, uh, 22 through 5 talks about sacrificing to Molech, right? And ta- sacrificing their children to Molech. And that's, it's... It says, if any of them offer their children as sacrifice to Molech, they must be put to death. The people of the community must stone them to death. I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. That was Cain's curse, too. He was cut off from the community, exiled. Kind of interesting. interesting. I just now put that 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 together. But if you look throughout history, then we can look at the Sumerian texts, right? Like the Epic of Gilgamesh. And we see that, you know, Gilgamesh and Enkidu, they rip out the heart of the bowl of heaven and give it as a gift to the, the, the sun god Shamash. And, and you, you see this throughout the, when we talk about sacrifice, right? When, and we'll talk about God's sacrifice a little bit too. Um, but when you look at sacrifice, it's usually... Uh, in the the perverted sense of it, it's it's a gift of the, some god to appease them, right? To to either please send us rain, you know, so our crops are fertile, or please don't let there be a famine, or don't let there be this, or you know, please spare us, or don't let the volcano erupt with your anger, you know, you know, Pompe- don't Pompeii us or something, you know what I mean? Something to that nature. Yeah, quasi kettle, all those depictions of all those. Uh sacrifices ripping the heart out at the top of the temple and giving it to the feathered serpent to eat. You temple know I mean? of That's, Doom? Yeah. Kalima. I love that movie. That's such a good movie. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up motivate you and relax you we hope you enjoy our coffee be bold be humble be kevlar and you can find kevlar joe's coffee company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com and for listeners of the dig bible podcast use the code all caps dig 20 whenever you're checking out to get a 20 percent off discount enjoy Uh, but you talk about that with this, with that, or you talk about the Greek myth, you know, uh, King Agamemnon. I still never say that right, but he sacrificed his daughter to Artemis as payment for letting the Greek fleet sail to Troy. I mean, you see this throughout history, especially the human sacrifice. Um, but when you talk about something from the true historical record, as a fo- as opposed to like those myths, if you look at the 
the Chinese Shang Dynasty, which was from um, uh, 1600 B.C. to 1000 B.C. They found ritual pits, and we're going to get into ritual pits here in a minute. But ritual pits showing human sacrifice in, in the Yingzhu, uh, where there was approximately 13,000 people sacrificed there in, a, in about a 200-year sp uh, span. So you're seeing human sacrifice throughout history, and I, I think that's interesting. Very negative and not good, but interesting. Um, when the this is the one that kind of blew my mind, and um, I had to I saw this somewhere, then I had to go back and look up and verify at a couple different spots for myself because it was kind of blew me away. But when the Great Pyramid of Tenochtitlan was consecrated in eighteen or I'm sorry, in 1487 by the Aztecs. It was recorded by them that 84,000 people were sacrificed in four days. That's a lot of blood. That's a, I actually, you know what's funny? I was going to sit down and do the math and how many a minute that was going to be. But you think about that. It'd be a slaughter. How many people were 84,000 in four days? I mean, why? People don't do that. Just because they decide, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, we, we talk about that a lot with the, um, you know, the two separate commandments. Thou shall not have any gods before you and the thou shall not commit a, uh, idolatry, right? No worship, no other idols. So there's obviously a distinction there. Oh, yeah. That, one's that, one's real and one is stone or wood. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. He, he definitely differentiated they're, they're separate the two. Yeah, they're separate for a reason. Uh, well, and do you think that somebody, if I was to go and carve a, a wood statue, you know what, today I think uh, this week we'll sacrifice 84,000 people to my wood carving I made last week. That, I'm that, down. I'm down. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in. Yeah. No, that doesn't make any sense. This car we're going to take. Yeah. This shows you, and I this volunteer. is something, and we go back and we talk about this, that those lowercase g deities those 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 ones that we talk about all the time that that show these powers uh to these other how did the israelites fall away so easy because these other lowercase g gods that they fell away to these other countries could do things they saw miraculous things yeah, they weren't for god's good but they saw miraculous things and 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 the part where we can see that the most is we go back to egypt once again and we see that pharaoh's magicians can you know they could turn their staves into serpents they could make the 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 water into blood they could bring frogs out of the nile they couldn't do everything god could do but but there was just you, you can see that they had some power limited compared to god but they had some power. So these people would be swayed by, for lack of a better word, parlor tricks. Because, oh, look what this God can do. Look what this God can do. And that's how they fall away over and over again. Well, I love how Enoch says, you know, you thought you had wisdom and knowledge, but you know the worthless ones. Exactly. You know. God didn't give you the full secrets of heaven. To the dropouts. Exactly. Like Vicki <laughs> Joy said, why are you getting your knowledge from these guys? These guys didn't even finish ninth grade there's dropouts even the knowledge they do got it is just half you know half knowledge why would you get your you know uh information from a bunch of you know divinity dropouts but i i think this and 100 percent true but i think what what it's important to see is that as we go a little further and we see the that you know god also um you know he 
when we look at the Levitical law and we talk about the fact that there was there was multiple different kinds of sacrifices that that God, you know, requested. There was, um, you know, there was the sin offering, the guilt offering, the um, grain offering. I think there was five different ones that I wrote down. I can't remember every one, but there was. I have it written down somewhere. The burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, which is funny because the guilt offering, most people would think that's for, you know, something morally wrong you did. But it was actually a, a reparation offering is more when we talk to um, uh, Gilbert, which or not Gilbert, I'm sorry. That's a Michael Heiser thing. I was watching a thing on him with that. And it's pretty interesting when he went through these and he talks about it. And, and I love and we all in this space love Michael Heiser and we absolutely hope the best for him and his family through the hard times they're going through right now um, and keep them in your prayers. But um, I'm going to read just a little bit. This is kind of a, a, a paraphrase of, of something that um, of a presentation he did, but I'm going to just a small, small part of it. But he says multiple types of offerings were offered to God, but they weren't ever for moral sin. The language of the Levitical law was about making a person acceptable to enter the system of worship because they became ritually defiled. Not morally defiled, but ritually through something that was unavoidable in life, like blood loss, seminal emission, a menstrual period, touched a dead body, had a baby, even had a skin rash. So the system was made so that they would not defile a sacred space. After one of these instances, they would have to bring an offering and wait a lot of time to go through a procedure that would make them acceptable to return to that, that same worship they had before. So you see already that, like, for example, there was no sacrifice for adultery or idolatry for that matter. Um, and this is one of, two, uh, two of my uh, favorite things when we talk at sacrifice. He had two quotes I'm quoting him verbatim on these, but this is the deficiency of the law and the superiority of the gospel. And I thought that was such a good way to put it, is showing that sacrifice that you see the deficiency of the law because it doesn't take care of us morally. It doesn't change us morally. If it was perfect, why, why a new one? You know, If the law was perfect, why did Christ have to come and change it? Well, and that's the next quote that he had he says because the sacrifice of christ covers everything and those two things right there i mean that's enough to get you kick-started with your faith right there but it's just so cool to see and i love that that phrase that, that when he says this this is the deficiency of the law and the superiority of the gospel i don't think you can say it much more plainly than that but i just absolutely loved that and thought that was you know you gotta give a lot of props to michael heiser and being able to break that down and kind of show us the verbiage that um you know in a way that we can't translate it to show us uh, you know that other side of things but this is this is a little bit um you know, when we talk about other gods, uh, uh, as far as the lowercase g gods, don't get me. There is only one true God. We always talk about this, but we talk about those lowercase g gods, those other fallen angels. The way I like to look at it, and I want your guys, obviously, opinion on this, but the way I like to look at it is I look at it as like a, um, a, a mirror of God, right? They try, to, they try to imitate what God does because they want the worship 
they want the affection of the people. And when they realize that they don't have the power that God does, the awesome power that God does, they end up using things like fear um, through requiring things like human sacrifice, through requiring things that um, something God would never ask for, actually even warned against, forbid against. But these other, they required this, and for a couple reasons, but personally, I think one of them is really important, and we talk. We can go back to the the, the um, parable of the prodigal son when we talk about you know the angels being the, the big brother. brother, the older brother, and that we're the younger brother because in that parable we're the ones that screwed up. They're filthy and dirty, and yes, we're the ones that sinned, and they believe they're superior, and so they're angry. When we come back, they're angry. So those angels, those fallen angels, those same ones that are masquerading as gods to all these other nations, to the Aztecs, to the Mayans, to the, to the Greeks, to the Romans, the ones that are masquerading as these gods, they're not only, not only are they trying to say, well, you know what? God has his sacrifices. We have ours. See, I think that's why they require the sacrifice, because they hate us. Well, I think that's part they of it. They want to See, destroy that's, that's, God's creation I because they hate us. Or, or not necessarily destroy, but if they say, okay, worship me, but I'm going to require you to kill your children, now... You're doing something against God. What's well, open rebellion? Yes. Right. So, so it's like you're choosing sides, not just being wishy-washy. I'm going to go with you today, and you have to, and you tomorrow. We're in the yeah. midst of a, oh, a war, well, of course. And you're going to. That's have to, what I There think. is no Switzerland. I you're going to have to choose a side. <laughs> I think that's the whole point of the the human sacrifices and the different things that they would have you do is to make you prove yeah choose this day yeah who you serve that's right that's what i'm thinking yeah you can't serve two masters a hundred percent and so hatred drives them to the point that they want like i think that they get enjoyment out of when they had that human sacrifice it's the same thing you know when it said in those sacrifices that when you burn the fat you know the the aroma was pleasing pleasing to the lord when those fallen angels, those other lowercase g deities, that's pleasing to them, that's pleasing to them to have a human sacrificed, and that is because it's it's because God commanded us not them. to yeah. exactly. God specifically yeah, said spitting, not to and, spitting on them or and something. and seeing you know they hate us. Yeah, they hate us. They're well, ruling the over time, us, but they they're hate. Kill, us. They're killing us on top of it. Yes, exactly. And I think that's a huge thing that we talk that we need to see there, but. Because they can't kill God, I think. Because it says we are divine imagers. You know, you're not to kill another divine imager because metaphorically you're killing God. Well, and they, they can't do that. So the next best thing is us. They look well, at us as God's people. Well, I mean, we're well, God's look creation. At it, look at it to this effect Job. The devil can't do nothing to Job until God gave him permission. But we have choice. So if I can talk you into killing you, I didn't do it. Oh, it's a contract loophole. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And I think that's just I And if they if they despise us, then I'm gonna make you I'm gonna get you to worship me while I get you to kill more people like you that I despise anyways. So it's a win win. 
and it's also unpleasing to God himself. So, But you think you got to remember, though, same thing. So when we look at God, God used the blood of those sacrifices as a purification, right? It was a substitution for us. And it's the same thing. If you look at, for example, one of the best cases, and this is another Heiserism, if you want to say it, but one of the best cases for a substitution is the Passover lamb, right? When we're back in Egypt and the angel of death is coming, what is it that saved the firstborn of the Israelites? It was the blood. The blood of the lamb. Yep. A tav painted on their door. On their door. On their door. So you see again the importance of the blood, the the, and not only not only there is I think the blood is so important, but you're seeing that, that um, the substitution for us for our sin, but you're seeing the forecoming again of Jesus. It's the same thing, the Passover. You're seeing that, the Lamb giving up His life for us. Right. And you know we see that throughout the Bible in different places, how, you know, the, the lamb is sacrificed, the lamb, and that's where the Tamim, we can go back into the Tamim and talk about the, the perfection. I mean, was it Abraham who had to go up and sacrifice his son? Isaac. Isaac. It's right there. God said, stop, I'll provide the sacrifice. And then they say that's the same hilltop that Jesus died on the cross at. Yeah, that was Which with is uh, Doug wild. Van Dorn. Yeah. yeah, that one was that one kind of threw me. I mean, over. yeah, and he was I mean, gonna gloss right over that. And, I'm like, what, and what? I told him, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, stop, yeah. what? <laughs> but I mean, it's just the foreshadowing of it all, even. All right, real. We're gonna jump into the next part here. There's a couple things that. Um, I think that it's uh, well, actually one more verse that kind of relates to that and why the hatred and, and, and things of that there. I think this is kind of important. If you look at first Corinthians six, two and three, it says. And we talk about big brother hating little brother a little bit here. Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? Can't you even decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? Ooh. I tell you what, the ones that have uh, transgressed have, here have chosen right. their path. And right. I listened to uh, Timothy Alberino. Now he's got a lot of good thoughts. I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff, but he's oh, I think he's great, great on a lot of stuff. And I loved. I heard him talk, and he said a lot of people get that misconstrued that we're going to be exalted above the angels he said my opinion he said is we were given dominion of earth this is what we have dominion over these angels came down to our dominion and transgressed he said those are the ones he said that i believe that scripture is talking about that we will judge he said a lot of people want to say well no when we go to heaven when it's all over with we're going to rule over the angels and everybody he says i think that's bad theology he said, we, he said, they have dominion of heaven. We have dominion of earth. He said, they came into our dominion, so they, they are they under come our, our law. Oh, they 100%. come into our territory. He said, so like you go to you know Syria and commit right. a crime, yes, you're an American, and you can but, claim, I didn't know the law. Right. That doesn't matter. You're still held accountable and judged under for their Syrian law. He yep. said, so they will be held accountable on earth for breaking our realm's law. I thought I, that was pretty. Insightful. I've heard that makes sense. I've actually heard yeah. that. He, yeah, he, 
Timothy's got some some great insights. Um, and I keep emailing him. If anybody knows Tim, you know, put in a good word for me. He's I, I love listening to Tim. I think he's very interesting. I like you said. I don't agree with him on everything, but I think that um, I love listening to him because he does. He makes me think. Yeah. He make he stretches my mind a little bit. It makes my mind exercise a little bit, which I really appreciate. I love that. Yes. If we all thought exactly the same way, this would be really boring, and you wouldn't need us to even dig into anything. But um, I guess the next step when we talk about this, when we talk about the blood is the most important part, right? We're, we're seeing the importance of blood through the bloodline throughout history, all the way through Jesus. We're seeing the, the importance of blood when we talked about sacrifice and how we're seeing it from the, the, the side of, of God. And we're seeing it from the side of those fallen angels, those, those other lowercase G gods that we talk about. We're seeing that, that blood, that kind of blood feud for it's the Hatfield McCoy side of things going back and forth there. You're seeing that the blood is super important through there. And then we're getting all the way now to salvation, right? So couple of, couple of things. First of all, first John five, six through eight says we must be born of, must be born of water and of spirit and the blood and the blood. All three, right? Would you be pointing your finger shoot. Oh, I'll, I'll finger shoot you. Thing. I'll finger shoot you right yeah, now. <laughs> Think about Don't first make of me all. Go get the real ones, boys. The, <laughs> Think about the I'm last. Packing. Oh. Think about the Last Supper, right? Really important to think about, and and we talk about this. We do this, and and pretty much almost every church celebrates communion, right? They use it as one of their sacraments, or or at least Except as for a George Washington as a. That's true. George Washington refused communion. But uh, I just keep plugging all these previous episodes. I know. You're doing a really good job of it, he though. He just kind of like stopped coming, didn't he? But after after the preacher called him out, yeah. he just he said, nope, like, yeah, sorry. I got to set a better example. I just won't show up. His wife kept going, though. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you got to look at this in the way that, um, sorry, now you got me all distracted again. You think about Last Supper. We talk about. The, uh, you know, when, when the, Jesus is with the disciples and he's saying, you know, this is my body, take and eat. This is my blood, mm-hmm. take and drink, right? He's, he's metaphorically showing them what it takes to be saved. It's you have to believe in him. You, his blood is what saves you. You got to accept the blood. You have the to. marriage slash salt covenant. The, thank you, Vicki Joy. Yes. Right? And I think that is such an important thing that we see and you know people go and we do communion in so many churches right and there most churches have communion in one way or another and a lot of us i think get lost on that and don't truly understand what that means that that you know we maybe we just go through the motions but communion you know it it, it, it is symbolic you know but that's god giving us his blood his salvation his sacrifice and I think that we have to, to, to really always remember, go back to that. What, what is the power? What saves us? When we talk about the power, where is the power? The power is in Jesus' blood. He died on the cross for us. I mean, without that, we don't go to heaven. You could say a name every different possible way in every language, and it wouldn't matter because you still would be imperfect. But because of Jesus' blood, because Jesus' blood was shed for us. Then we have salvation. That changes the game. A name doesn't change the game. Jesus' blood 
change the game. Our faith that Jesus did that for us is what changes the game. Jesus' reputation because he did that changes the game. All those things that he did for us, God, God gave his, God only, gave his begotten only son. Begotten son. Oh, yeah, it's like what I was talking about. You know, I mean, I done got the idea, but looking at it from a different angle, man, it did. It just hit me like a train, and it's humbling. It very. And I, I, I have one of those moments, I, 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 like I said, about once a week where something just grabs me, and it's because I, I'm trying, and I'm, I'm not great at it. I'll be honest. He's but not I'm, forsaking you for seeking, right? Like no. Like we talked about earlier. He's sure not, but I, you, I pray for it. I want him to show me something, and I pray for it, and I pray for it. And it's funny because it'll always hit me when I'm not expecting it. And it takes me off guard. But I really appreciate it. I love it. It makes me so happy. But back again, going back into the sacrifices and talking about how the sacrifices weren't about for moral sin, right? It was, it was, it says in Hebrews 10:4, right? The blood of bulls and goats don't take away sin, only the blood of the lamb just so important um what is this right here i okay hebrews uh i'm gonna read a quick little ver verse here um and this is this is the last thing i have on this altogether. but i i'm gonna read this i shouldn't say verse it's hebrews 9 11 through 22 and i just from my point of view i want to end on this and then you guys jump in wherever but no. Go ahead. Close us out. So Christ. I got one thing here after he's done with this. Do you want to go ahead? Well, it goes to the, the Jesus dying on the cross, his blood, right? So you sent me the link there the other day of Ryan Peterson's little Thursday night. Theology. Yeah. Theology thing, right? So he, he this is his take on it. He says the we're in Revelations, right? And it says, and I saw a strong angel shouting with a loud voice. This is what chapter five, verse two, who is worthy to break the seal of the scroll and open it. But no one on no one in heaven, on the earth, under the earth was able to open the scroll. Right. He thinks this event happened when Christ died on the cross. I, mean, I think it was right after the ascension. Right. Well, whichever, yeah. you know, and he says. And then I began to weep because, you know, no one was found worthy. And then it says, stop weeping. Look, the line of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. So, therefore, it was him dying on the cross that gave him the power of everybody, spiritual realm or earthly realm, all of it, to be able to take the scroll which we talked I about mean, was i we, mean that could just, be the land deed yeah i mean it could dominion be dominion of earth because where we traded it right i mean it's just i i've always was taught for this which this is a whole different episode you know that it all kind of happens each sequence all at one time but like we we talked yeah time's not uh, linear to god yeah the whole one day to a thousand years God's outside of you space know, it, and time. It could be all the same. Yep. 
Anyhow, that was with the, the blood part. All right. Now, I guess I'll leave everybody with this. But Hebrews 9, 11 through 22. So Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most high place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is not the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people. So all that who are called can receive the internal inheritance of God as he has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they have committed under that first covenant. Now, when someone leaves, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the, while the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the bloods of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both on the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Thanks, everybody. Keep on digging. So what you're saying is, there is power, power, wonder working power. In the blood, in the blood of the Lamb. I can't the lamb. You See you guys. <laughs> we thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at the dig 423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at the Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.